0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years, and the only broker you need. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen for today's program on The Legal Talk Network.
1: Well, hello there. Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates New England Operations, and we're glad you could join us again today. Remember, you can find all the Ringler Radio shows on our website at ringlerassociates.com or on the Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com. Well, today we're in beautiful Seattle, Washington, at the ATLA Convention, spreading the word of Ringler Radio. And uh, it's a very interesting topic we're going to discuss this morning. Uh, We're going to honor a man who did uh, an awful lot for the world of workers' compensation and whose life was tragically cut short by the actions of a disgruntled client. Uh, It's truly a sad and a cautionary tale. Last month, workers' comp attorney Jay Bloombecker from Santa Cruz, California, was uh, tragically gunned down in his office by a disgruntled client. The suspect was uh, Angus McIntyre. He had been upset with the settlement he'd received from his workers' comp claim. And uh, McIntyre had been a heavy equipment operator and had filed a claim for a back injury. Uh, he started showing up at Bloombecker's office complaining that he would run out of cash and he wanted to reopen his claim. Uh, he thought his settlement wasn't quite enough. And these repeated visits and verbal harangues ultimately spiraled into uh, the tragic murder of a wonderful man and, and really a great attorney. So today, while honoring uh, Jay's memory... We're also going to address the, uh, the difficulties of dealing with clients who either don't understand the significance of uh, signing releases or those who go to extreme measures when the money runs out. And to help us with that today is attorney Bob Tarran. Bob is a workers' comp attorney from Santa Cruz as well, and he'd been friends with Jay for more than 15 years. Uh, Bob is a sole practitioner, and he's a member of the board of CAW. And Bob, why don't you tell us what CAW is? CAW is the California
2: Attorney Applicants Association of members of California attorneys that represent injured
1: workers throughout the state. Well, you described Jay uh, to me once as uh, he's a he was a really happy guy who liked to help his clients and uh, did an awful lot for the folks that he knew. Uh, why don't you tell us about Jay? Jay,
2: Jay was... Um, Eccentric. He, he was. He was. He was a character. He. He didn't. He was unusual as a solo practitioner because most attorneys uh, live their lives for their practice. Jay lived his uh, life. He used his practice to live his life. He would have seminars for his clients. Uh, luncheons every week um, in the fall. That, that anybody from. his anyone of his clients could come to, and he would try to have a a 10-week seminar describing how to get through the workers' comp system when you're injured, how to deal with doctors, how to deal with finances. He he was very concerned uh, that people understand what happens when they're hurt at work so they would understand the system when when he would take them through the the court system.
1: Hmm. Well, once the tragedy happened uh, and the word spread uh, all around the country – how has the how has the tragedy affected the workers comp attorneys uh in california and elsewhere? well it's it's been talked about a lot in, in our different um
2: listservs and our and internet um it's it's gone from uh, it makes people suspicious of their own clients which is very which is very disconcerting you know you want to have a relationship with your client uh, you want them to trust you you need to trust them you, know, you talk about confidentiality issues and now, now people are worried about that. They, they're worried about the clients as something a little bit offbeat. They should be, you know, they get worried about it's going to come back and haunt them. I mean, Jay. Let me, let me go back. Jay did probably there's probably two mistakes that he made. And I thought about this a lot over the last month, uh, and I talked about different groups um, when he was killed. Jay had a client. Uh, and this is good for all the lawyers to, to understand that that Jay had that when Jay was hired, first hired by his client, um, they didn't get along very well after a while. And the client fired him, became disgruntled, hired someone else and got and became disgruntled with that client. And then for some reason, which I just don't understand, Jay took him back. And I tell people you don't take back problems. I mean, no matter how bad the thing, is, that situation is, that becomes an additional problem. Because it becomes a problem because the person's already thought that you didn't do a good job in the first place and uh, you let someone else give them the the reality of life. And sometimes, sometimes you have to go through three or four attorneys to be able to understand what your case is like because you've got to hear it a number of times. That was problem number one. Problem number two is then Jay settled the case. And the client started to complain after about, he took the money, I think it was like an $80,000 settlement. After six months, the money was dissipated. Client started calling the office. I need more money. For whatever reason, and I don't know the, the, that, um, Jay kept telling him, well, you're not going to get the money, and, but I'll talk to you later about it. And while well, not really what you would quote blowing him off was not addressing what was becoming a very serious um, compulsive obsession this client had. And, and when those things happen, you have to sit down with the client and say this is the reality of life right now. And if you can't deal with it, you need to be out of the office, and you could either... You, know, you tell I tell clients, hey, if you don't like what I did, call the bar association. You call whoever you want to complain, but this is where it ends right now. Jay didn't do that. And the guy kept coming over, kept coming over. And because workers' comp attorneys are incredibly busy, and you're always in court, you're making dozens of phone calls every day reviewing, you know, 10, 15 files, he didn't spend the time. And that compulsion obviously became an obsession to kill them. And that was a second mistake. You, and, and I, when I tell, you know, I do lectures with lawyers and you know, I tell them you don't ta- take back trouble clients. And if there's a problem, you stop everything you're doing and you deal with it now because it just gets worse. It does not get better.
1: Well, a lot of attorneys, you know, get busy and, uh, oftentimes, uh, have to unfortunately have to brush off clients that that are that are talking to them, but yet those clients don't come back and and with a gun. Uh, it, it's 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 highly unusual that that the that the client would be uh, you know resorting to this kind of uh, this kind of action. It's almost like a stalking process where you have to protect yourself. It is
2: a, it is unusual, but the areas you find that clients are most upset about is not just their workers comp injuries but we have divorces mm. you do have a lot of violence against attorneys who do divorces because it becomes personal with workers comp what happens is that so many people live on the edge financially you know that you know most of this country you're two paychecks away from losing your house or losing your rental or losing your car from the payments and when you're hurt the the benefits are cut dramatically. They're usually capped out at less at two thirds your your weekly paycheck, and there's a cap of how much that is. California is around six seven hundred dollars a week. But if you're making you know fifty thousand dollars a year, which is in California not that much money anymore, you know you're you're in deep trouble in terms of paying for even just food, clothing, and shelter. It becomes a real emotional problem.
1: Well, there's no question about that. And in workers' comp especially, you know, workers' comp, as long as the individual is receiving workers' comp, they're receiving essentially every two weeks or so uh, basically an annuity payment. But but eventually, ultimately, when these cases get settled and lump-summed, then they have the choice. Either they take it as a lump sum of cash or potentially they could use a structured settlement to spread it out. What's your experience been with the people that take the cash uh, versus well, spreading it out?
2: the people that take the cash usually end up because they've been, it takes them so anywhere from, you know, nine months to two to three years, depending upon the seriousness of the injury, to figure out just how bad someone is. Uh, they're so deeply in debt that money is spent almost immediately. They're either paying back their parents or paying back their, you know, friends uh, to keep things going. The, the And I, it's always kind of scary because also they're giving up their future medical care. So they're spending money out of their own pocket for doctors. The thing about annuities, which, is, which I think is interesting and a good idea if it's a large enough amount of money, that you could structure it to the point where at least it's in the client's best interest to make sure the money is spread out enough that they can take care of the, their, their finances over a period of time. And it forces them to start thinking how to get out, how to get back to the workforce, knowing you still have some money coming in in six months, a year, or two years, but you have to get back and do something. The trouble is when the cash payments come in, so if you're not working, there's not really incentive sometimes
1: to go back to work. Exactly. You know, even sometimes when people don't want a monthly income approach in the annuity uh, in the structured settlement uh, uh, process, we'll oftentimes suggest that they take a smaller portion of cash today and maybe another lump in a year, maybe another lump in two years, so that if they dissipate this lump, they'll maybe learn a little bit more. And so they won't do it the next time.
2: That's true. I mean, once you start losing money, you can't, you can't get it back as easy. And also
1: with, with
2: with serious injuries, when you're dealing with things like social security, disability benefits and the, and the offsets, it's important for the annuities because at least then you can maximize the amount of money. It is a major problem though, when you're not being able to make, you know, your payments and it, it, and it causes a lot of emotional problems. And, um, I mean, lawyers are always, de- I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years and you get a lot of angry clients. Obviously, no one's ever tried to shoot me. Thank God. And, but you have heard about clients. Now you the, the big change you're seeing now is a lot more talk about security in offices. Um, things like bulletproof glass at, at the windows, mm-hmm. you know, being buzzed in, um, calling the cops a lot faster if a client's acting out. I mean, and I'm not sure if I like that idea. I'm not, I, the idea is you want your client to trust you, and if they don't trust you, at the end of the day, when you settle the case, all of a sudden they think you're working for the other side. I mean, I, you know, when they start, when clients start saying, "Well, you're
1: really working for the insurance company," that's when you know you got to get the hell out <laughs> of the office. Yeah, I, I hear you, but you know, when you look at this scenario of Jay uh, and what happened to him. It, it, it is a highly unusual usual situation, but as you say now, because of that uh, and some other other events that have occurred, our attorneys are trying to take precautions and trying to be a little more careful. What what do you think attorneys should be doing to help prevent this kind of uh, this kind of action? I th-
2: you have to spend more time talking to clients. I think clients like the idea that the attorney can explain to them what is going on. People don't like being blown off in, in any situation. I mean, we've all spent time in lines, whether it's at airports or wherever, inf- or information from people, you yeah. know, waiting, 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 and then you get told one thing and the next one goes. I mean, there's the, the counsel, you know, we're called attorneys and counselors at law. Okay, right. and, we, and, you know, too many of us don't do the counseling effectively. I mean, people look for us for their trust. And the culture of our society is that lawyers are able to solve problems, whether are as a cultural issue, I'm not saying it's true, but you know, look, if you watch television or movies, you know the bad guys always go to jail, and they're always the right bad guys. Uh, the people who are who suffer horrible injuries always able to succeed in the movies and getting good settlements. It doesn't work that way in real life, and you can't expect when people come into your office, you cannot. They should not be expected to always prevail. You expect them to do the best job. You tell them you do the best job you can. But you have to be realistic, and you can't hype a case. And I think that
1: what lawyers do, in my opinion, is hype cases way, way too much. Well, we've, I've seen that many times because uh, obviously there's competition for that client, and uh, oftentimes an attorney might hype the case just to retain the case, but uh, you know, the chickens come home to roost at some point. And this is a good example of what happened. Exactly. And, Exactly. Well, let's take a short break now, and when we come back, uh, we'll have more from Bob Tarrant about this tragic incident and uh, what we're going to do about it in the future. We'll be back in 60 seconds here on Ringler Radio.
0: This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975... Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years, and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows ringler associates the only broker you need listen to all the ringler radio shows just go to ringler and click on ringler radio and choose a topic ringler radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities including aviva the hartford mass mutual metlife american general and liberty life
1: Welcome back to Ringler Radio, and uh, today we're in Seattle at the Atla Convention, and we're talking to uh, Attorney Bob Tarran about a very uh, tragic situation where a workers' comp attorney in Santa Cruz was tragically murdered by a disgruntled client after spending uh, the, the proceeds of a workers' comp settlement and uh, not understanding the the realities of how to how to deal with money. Bob, uh, how have the workers' comp attorneys in Santa Cruz banded together over the tragedy and what, what's happened over there? Well, we've talked about trying to make sure that, like we talked about earlier, that
2: clients do understand the, the, the pros and cons of the system, making sure they understand where they're, you know, how much money they're going to get, if they, need a new, if they need an annuity or not, if they need how to save their money. But... Yeah, you know, again, the, you get in these holes that people dig, you know, for lack of income. It's been a real problem. It's interesting because over the years, what you're what you've seen in workers' comp is that when you go to the, ins- if you ever are able to go to the insurance company's um, claims adjuster offices, they have high security. You have to be buzzed in. They have bulletproof glass. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, all these. Can kind of you talk through the window through the microphone? They they have been. Um, they have, they're the ones that probably first started the real changes in terms of security. Also, what you're seeing now in terms of the workers' comp offices, the, the, the we call them boards, like courtrooms. If they're not in a big city in, in a federal, or in a state building, where most state buildings do have security, but if you're in the hinterlands, like, I'm not saying Seattle, I'm not saying that that's Salinas, California is the hinterlands, but you're now seeing more security. You're now seeing that the doors are more locked, that, that people are worried. I mean it, it's very strange to walk around thinking security all the time when you're practicing
1: law. Well the only difference today is that we're in a world where uh, we seem to be facing security wherever we go whether it's an airport or a or a, or a court courthouse. What what can you as attorneys you mentioned before uh, the concept of attorneys and counselors and the concept of counseling your clients what do you think you can do as counselors for your clients to tell them a little bit more about, let's say, structured settlements and how to protect their money, and 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 you know, bringing brokers like ourselves in to help that process. How do you how do you do that? I think it's important you talk financial
2: situations your clients. It's not just how much money I'm going to get you, but it's okay. You're going to get this money. What are you going to do with it? What are, what's your problem now? What kind of financial problems do you have now? What are your needs in the future? If you're working, if you're not working. If you're, you know, are you going to be able to save your money? Are you going to be able to invest your money? Do you need to structure it so you don't blow it? Mm-hmm. And, and you got to also have a have a sixth sense of what the clients like. The clients has some type of uh, like emotional problems, let's say. And I do a lot of Social Security disability work, so I, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are, have deep depression or or they have they're manic and they end up, you know, just spending money like crazy because they go into a, a really bad emotional situation. You have to start thinking how to protect those funds. The, the problem is to how to convince a client to accept that advice. Well, the, no, the, the first problem really is to sit down and, and do that conversation and have it. There's too many times the attorneys say, sign on the dotted line, you'll get your money in 30 days, you know, God bless and good
1: luck. I think that's just wrong.
2: Yeah, that's, that's doing a great disservice to
1: a client. Well, a lot of attorneys I know say that, look, I'm an attorney, I'm not a financial advisor, I, I can get the the client the uh, the settlement funds, but I'm not going to be uh, feel competent or or appropriately. Uh, I'm not the guy that to, to really talk to them about financial uh, needs. So I think one of the roles as a counselor might be to bring in a financial advisor for the client or a structured settlement broker to kind of help identify those needs and how to best meet those needs. Is that something? You're, you you're
2: absolutely. You're absolutely right. That's what you need to do. But to sit, you have to sit down and discuss that why that's important. Yeah. And too many people don't do that. They may say, go call someone. Go call someone because I'm not the expert. Well, you know, you should be a little bit of an expert to know, to, to explain to them in the first place why they need to, because if they don't understand why they need to, they're not going to make that phone call. That's just human nature. You have to sit down and explain to people what the problems are.
1: Well, I think we've identified uh – Obviously, a need in the in the community that you live in, uh, uh, being workers' comp lawyers, to, to actually serve also as counselors to help these clients with some of those financial problems, bringing in the experts to help them do that, because I know we're all busy, and you, you certainly are busy, but specifically today, we're talking about Jay Bloombecker and, and the tragedy that happened to him because a client got disgruntled and, and, and really took it to the nth degree. So let's get back to Jay for a second because we want to honor him in a way today. He was he was such a wonderful guy. If he were here today at the Atla convention, what what would he be saying about his life as a workers' as comp attorney? And, and and what joys did he take out of that?
2: Jay would be talking about how I mean it's ironic that Jay would be talking about how important it is to talk to clients for them to understand the system. Yeah, and that's what he, that's what he did. He would, but he was also overwhelmed as as, a, um, as an attorney. I th- Jay was a, a performance artist I told I told someone at one of the um more he's probably the only 60-year-old attorney that I know that went to Burning Man in Nevada <laughs> I mean he liked he liked uh, he he enjoyed life he 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 loved life um to the fullest he had excesses he was eccentric he, he was uh eclectic he he wrote books on uh, computer crime that had been published um he He didn't live to be a lawyer, and that's a lot of difference between people like him and most people here at Atla who their whole life is how to how to be a lawyer and that's uh, that's that's what was interesting about Jay. he was very very smart he was really intelligent he would he could really figure out a case it may take him a hell of a long time to get it done, but he would figure it out um it, it, i I just can't you know I, I've known this guy for fifteen years and the irony of him always sitting down with clients and talking to them that's what he was known for taking over very difficult cases with people with who had injuries that had that became um it's not unusual to have a severe physical injury to develop emotional problems and he was very good at tr- at understanding that and the serious irony is how that came back and haunted him right, that's one thing i can't get over
1: well you know it also sounds and in- Although I didn't know, Jay, it also sounds like he'd be the last person that would want that kind of uh, uh, you know, controlled uh, gatekeeping process in his office with bulletproof uh, glass. It sounds like oh, no. he'd be a much more welcoming person and therefore uh, he would have railed against some some oh. of those kinds of uh, control.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Jay would probably – I mean, he would probably think, ah, the guy has problems. I can talk him out of it. It's not a problem. I can deal with this because I'm used to it. I mean, that's just – and you shouldn't be – and I – when I go and, and I – discuss with other attorneys this problem, you can't be used to it. You have to think it out. You know, you have to identify. You, no, we're not Superman. We're not, we are not therapists. We are not financial advisors, but we have to understand enough to be able to explain why they need to see people, whether it's financial advisor or it's a
1: therapist or when to call the cops. Exactly. Well, Bob, if someone wanted to get in touch with you uh, to talk more about this or workers' comp in general, uh, how would they reach you? they could reach me on my website. My emails. I'm sorry, my email site, which is TarenLaw,
2: T-A-R-E-N-L-A-W, at AOL.com. Also, I'm in the phone book in Santa Cruz, California. They can just call 411.
1: (laughs) That that sounds really old-fashioned these (laughs) days, doesn't it? The phone book. It's it's the easiest way right now to reach people. That's terrific. Well, I'm glad you were here today, uh, Bob, and uh, relating to Mm -hmm. us the story of, uh, the tragic story of Jay and... uh, And I guess the only thing we can say now for uh, Jay Bloombecker is uh, rest in peace and uh, hopefully we'll uh, stop this kind of violence. I hope so. Thank you very much, Larry, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And to the rest of you out there, uh, thanks for listening and uh, have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Aviva, The Hartford, Mass Mutual, MetLife, American General, and Liberty Life.